welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. I am Justin, and as usual, I am joined by... I don't know, Sam usually puts <laughs> our names in introduction order, but he didn't this time, so I'm I lost didn't. in the cosmos. Hi, Beth. That's Beth. I'm Sam. And I was very close to being late for this session because I was too busy thinking about Signalis. Also, I'm Caleb. <laughs> Hi, Caleb. Yeah, we uh, were recording at a slightly different time today, which means everything is all wonky and you're lucky that we made it all here. <laughs> Be grateful. Yeah, it was a long commute for me to walk from my desk to my other desk. I had to walk into the living room to get my mic, so the suffering is endless. All right. Uh, yeah, here we are today, continuing Well of Ascension with the middle third of uh, part three. Uh, chapters 32, 3, 4, and 5. And how are we all doing today? Pretty good. Doing do good, doing good. I I will spoil, uh, yeah, I am going to be recasting mm-hmm. my Ashweather set because <laughs> I love Richard Schiff, but he doesn't quite have Ashweather yeah, vibes. Got, uh, we got some pretty abrupt payoffs on everyone's uh, thoughts on what set would be like. <laughs> he, uh, he's... Yeah, he doesn't really pull back. You get a sense of the man pretty quick. Yeah, this was a this was an interesting set of chapters because we get uh, we get a pretty big focus on uh, set as the the immediate issue uh, with a good smattering of like deep world building stuff in between there. So I will be very interested to talk about it today. I think we can go ahead and uh, get ourselves started with the the chapters. Uh, starting with our chapter 32 epigraph. Uh, this is Quan talking about uh, how nobody believed him. Uh, or, yeah. Quan facts. <laughs> Hashtag Quan facts. Hopefully this is at least refreshing in its newness. We've heard in, in 37 different ways that nobody believed him from uh, both Alendi and Quan himself. Uh, but... Uh, this was kind of interesting because it, you know, talks a little bit about, you know, what people considered suitability for a world bringer to be. Like, by what criteria is Quan a fraud? Mm-hmm. Which was interesting. So we will see how that uh, develops as it seems like we are into kind of a new section of epigraphs uh, over the, the course of this section. Uh, but joining the, the chapter proper, uh, we get Immediately where we left off last time, uh, Set has arrived in the city of Luthadel to uh, put his name into the ring for consideration of of King of Luthadel and the Final Empire. Uh, and it is a touchy situation here. Uh, Vin is immediately concerned about the, the security of this situation. Uh, as she says, obviously he didn't come alone. He's going to have guards, probably Alamancers. And yeah. 30 of them. Uh, and then we get our first look at uh, the man himself. Uh, and he's a character. <laughs> Set was gambling and he seemed mm-hmm. to be enjoying it. Yeah, he's fun. He's, uh, you know, rugged. He... <laughs> He's like uh he's he's uh, a shitty person, a guy that we don't that I'm not right. intending to like. But he, I appreciate his villain villainous. Right. He's properties. the one who you're smiling while you say, Man, fuck this guy. 
Oh, yeah. absolutely. I I I love reading him. Like I just re I love reading scenes with him. Whereas yeah, Straff, it's like, oh fuck this guy. And Seth's like, ah, fuck this guy. <laughs> exactly. I, I see where you're coming from with loving reading about Straff. He's a bit much for me, but Seth, mm-hmm. I fucking love this guy. <laughs> I also know Straff has gotten like Oh, worse yeah. as in world of ascension <laughs> like he was just a general asshole in the first book and now he's like a creep too yeah. um and then sets like yeah he's just a refreshing change of pace of like yeah i'm just gonna come here and uh yeah i'm here now deal with it <laughs> and i have an army on your doorstep so make mm-hmm. me king <laughs> uh he's also which is an interesting note uh he's in a wheelchair he uh his legs are crippled and that is just how he is uh, which is something that Vin didn't know, uh, having never interacted with him before. Um, but apparently, I mean, Breeze spent some some time with him, but that's that's just who he is. Mistborn. I love that Breeze is like, oh, didn't anyone tell you? It's like, Breeze, we're reading Sanderson and we're from the perspective of like the fish out of water character. Nobody tells no. us anything, Breeze. I mean, you, you gotta just fill us in on the details. Breeze, be yeah. You would have been the one to say something. <laughs> say something. So yeah, he is immediately just uh, very upfront with his situation. As as he is, he's given his ten minutes to speak, uh, and he says, "Well, here's the deal. I've got an army of, out there, and I could attack you all, but instead, you could make me king. How about that?" Ugh. <laughs> oh. And I love the uh, the alternative here that that he's got uh, orders to his troops that uh, oh, if he doesn't come back by by nightfall or you know whatever they say, uh, yeah, uh, invade the city, attack it, take over, and then get yeah. strapped. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> get yeah. strapped, bitch. I was gonna say yeah, it's it's almost a strange reflection of the of what Ellen ended up doing to Straff of you can't kill me or I'll just kill everyone else here. But Set is just so much more direct about it. And again, it's just such a, a change of pace from like a 10 minute conversation of these two characters playing chess, um, <laughs> trying to figure out what each the other one knows. And Set's plan is just not, nah, I'm going to come in. And uh, if they try to mess with me, just everyone dies. We just all die. Yeah. And that's fine with me. <laughs> yeah, nice change of pace from the 4D upside down chess that Straff and Zane and everyone else in that world seem to be playing. Seth's like, I'm good at checkers, so I'm just gonna play checkers. And everyone else is like, fuck, we didn't <laughs> think about checkers. God damn it, not we the didn't checkers. Plan for the checkers. But he does genuinely get a uh, a couple of of good uh good points in here, uh, as he is kind of all in on his upfrontness uh and gets to tell the people that uh Elland has been holding some information back from them, uh, which I think from our POV, we can justify and explain. But Set is right here that uh, he hasn't told anybody about the Kolos army. Uh, Set gets to, uh, makes a bit of a called shot that uh, Breeze was probably soothing people during this meeting. Uh, And of course, Elland is obnoxiously honest about this and says yes he was and Tindwell hates this. <laughs> Tindwell's quiet groan is like I need to see that in a movie I have to see that <laughs> yeah especially coming on the heels of we were praising Elland last time for like ooh like 
nominating Penrod. What a manipulative move. Maybe he's not just honorable naivete. And then we get this. It's like, no, okay. He's still, it's it's still Ellen. Mm -hmm. What I don't get is, was Breeze like told to soothe or did he just do it? I think Breeze just does it all the time. It's, it's Breeze. He's just his default. It's his passive. Yeah. Which is perhaps not a great thing. No, it's not great, especially because like Ellen just wanted to play everything right. straight, and he seemed to have everybody jiving with him. You know, I don't know why you would have needed it. I also I do believe that Breeze is very good at his job, and we've seen him be very good at his job. But just thinking about it now, it is very funny that like the majority of the characters seem kind of annoyed by Breeze a lot of the time, which is really ironic considering half the time he's interacting with anybody, he's trying to get them to like him more using, like, magical powers. Mm. Yeah. I think an apt analogy is he's a surgeon with his powers, but he's a plastic surgeon. Yeah. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Just kind of make things look better. Why not? (laughs) Not out here saving lives, I'm just making stuff yeah. better so uh set finishes off his uh very cards on the table offer uh he says he wants to move into luthadel uh with a small force uh into one of the the keeps uh he will explain the the benefits of choosing him as the king uh which are as as ellen says bribes and he says of course and uh they have a brief negotiation on the the terms of this arrangement and that is where this meeting adjourns is uh for two weeks uh, set will move into one of the keeps in luthadel with a thousand troops and the situation seems to have changed pretty drastically from where we were a day ago in this book (laughs) And I will say when he mentioned go when he mentioned going into an abandoned keep, I there's a chance that there is a there's a plan Brandon has, but as of this point, it feels like a slight missed opportunity because my thought was, oh, it would be such a power move if said is just like, I'll take credit Shaw, no one's using it. I'll just move in there. <laughs> I I feel like that would be exactly in line with set it would also like match with him trying to find the Adium, and he would probably guess it's somewhere stashed in there. Um I feel like that would have been such a fun moment of being like, yeah, I'll just I'll just move to the Lord Ruler's house. It's, it's open. Um, so it was a little bit bummed that he just chose one of the other uh, noble families. But uh, yeah, that was just a thought I had. Man. And Phylon continues his streak of being yeah. just great. Besides, Set has <laughs> promised us all titles. Yeah. Yay. Uh, uh, could be fun. Could be fun. We can all have titles <laughs> and be like just subjugated like crazy and you know it goes into it like later on as we learn more about set like all of his lands are in chaos because he's just a bad leader (laughs) half alliances promises all right sure but you could have a title oh love it (laughs) yeah so there's a bit of a, a debrief here with uh penrod and elland the other two i guess candidates uh, and Penrod is perhaps in between the two of them on the the realism idealism scale, uh, where he he says to Ellen, he's he's like, look, you've read a lot of books, but I've actually been doing this, and set 
is going to be like set is very persuasive in this offer oh my notes are great on this uh let's see uh let me just quote them verbatim ellen confronts penrod who also hates democracy ellen remembers a book about how everyone on skadriel has always hated democracy yeah. forever <laughs> like pretty much <laughs> okay it is well established that people do not like democracy. Or at least they're not very good at it. Because <laughs> that is the uh, the study that Ellen is recalling uh, basically says there have been revolutions in the final empire in the past, but invariably the Lord Ruler would just wait and they would fall apart from infighting and not being able to deal with the other uh, forces around them. And then he could just go kind of clean up the mess. So, yeah. Uh, Skadriel, pretty bad at democracy. <laughs> Is that work in like progress? their state logo? <laughs> Motto, not logo. Logos mm, are pictures. There could be words in the logo. If you check our Instagram now, you can see that it's both a logo and a motto. For <laughs> Make <future> logo. <laughs> Make logo motto. Motto. It's gonna happen. <laughs> so as the, the chapter... Uh, is getting to a close we have uh this might be peak vin paranoia where she has <laughs> simply declared uh that set must be a mistborn and that his his injured <laughs> legs are a cover story i i specifically love the phrasing of well we know he's right. mistborn and, like just, right and like no evidence this whole section is, i feel like is Vin jumps to conclusions, some of which could be right, but really, it, it, it is true that jumping to conclusions with no evidence uh, is going to be happening a lot today. <laughs> yeah, I, I like how she says that, like, it is a fact that all of them know that she is just putting out there to start discussion. <laughs> yeah, we, we know he's misborn. <laughs> yeah, it's, it would, I, I almost wish she had been like, well, it doesn't need to be said, and everyone's like... <laughs> What? what 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 does it need to be said but but further is the fact that like she you know this is the, the comedic beat of like something happens and then you go well observation so what what they're implying here is based on what he did in this section he must be misborn like i'm gonna conquer you all and i'm gonna bribe everybody well misborn checks out <laughs> okay so we will perhaps see if Vin has any truth to her her observations here in the future, but it doesn't seem very likely. Uh, and then right at the end, uh, we have uh, Set's son, uh, Nordin. 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 Uh, a little bit. unwieldy. Uh, who is setting up a uh, a meeting, to, I guess, to mirror the the Straff venture. Uh, meeting from earlier for Ellen and Set. And that shall be in one week. And I do love that it is kind of a gotcha moment of Ellen is like, no, I don't want to meet with you. You're just going to bribe everybody. So I don't want to stoop to that. And then, yeah, they bring up exactly like, well, you met with Straff. It kind of makes sense that you should want to meet with Set too. Um, and that, give, that gives Ellen a minute to think it over and be like, okay, maybe this actually could still be useful. Um, and uh, yeah, we get uh we now ellen has a has a week to plan out his next uh uh turn in his uh strategy game 
I do also like the the brief exchange where um, Norden tries to score a point with like, you know, well, you've kidnapped Set's daughter. Uh, who I guess, yeah, he does say his sister. Um, and Ellen's like, that's not what happened. She came here willingly. But Norden then still glares at Breeze right. like, fuck this guy. <laughs> uh, but that is it for... Uh, chapter 32 which i guess if you were reading this as one continuous chunk would have nicely wrapped up the scene from chapter 31 Uh, but we had an entire week in between so now we're done with that (laughs) on to chapter 33 uh kwan reliving his past as uh once he discovered elendi uh instead of being the weird guy who talked about trees he is now important Uh, And then the chapter itself, uh, we have another uh, Vin and Orser bonding time, as well as Vin doing some scholarship. I like these chapters. Me too. Yeah, especially since she's still just laying on the floor with all of her papers around her. I love that, like, she's Vin, of course she's not going to change her scholarship as it is based on other people kind of talking shit. But she's still just very stubbornly like, nope, I'm on the floor and the paper is around mm-hmm. me and this will work. So the things that uh, she is looking over uh, is we've got the deepness and we've got the hero of ages, which are both uh, difficult things to study and definitely would weigh on one's mind. Uh, so Orser is trying to uh, figure out what uh, what's going on here in his kind of typical way of not really like he's going to ask and then he's going to say of course you know whatever you whatever you say that is what i will believe and yeah vin is is frustrated with the the vagueness of it all and uh they have a a a brief discussion on you know religion and belief which is a uh, a very different perspective than other people that we've seen have this talk yeah i think this is the first time we are really in this series introduced to the idea of maybe a prophecy isn't a literal like vision of the future delivered from the gods themselves and more just here is a story that is very important to us because it gives us something to look forward to um which is just a really like interesting philosophical uh perspective to take and i think also is a very good uh conversation to have for vin in this moment to kind of shake up a little bit of what she's been um thinking recently um and i'm not necessarily saying i think orsu is right that the, the prophecy is just a story and nothing more um but i think this is a very good way of getting vin to kind of challenge the assumptions she's been making recently yeah it's definitely a breath of fresh air from the epigraphs at least where kwan has been pointing out these very specific reasons that it must be hashtag alendi mm-hmm He's tall. That one, like, how many, in in real life, what would you classify as tall? Like, like 6'2 or something? Somewhere around there. But the other thing is, I did go back and reread it, and we've been joking so much about how Alendi is tall, but that's not even the epigraph. The epigraph is, he's not that tall, but he feels tall. <laughs> like, it, it specifically says he's not actually super, super tall um it's just oh, that yeah. his it's something about his his size made everyone pay attention yeah, to him or no, something that's, like that's that that's fair 
Um, I'm, I'm going to see if I can... I, I, I think we should continue the running gag because it's funny, but... Um, I, I remember like looking back and being like, it's it's not even that. Okay, yeah, Alendi's height struck me the first time I saw him. Uh, okay, he does say he towers over others, so he is tall. But I'm pretty sure the next one goes. Uh, he, he didn't really tower over. It was you know he's he's just yeah. No, tall. if you, if you include people who are literally tall and people who you feel are tall, that's like a quarter of the population. It could be any one of them. So while this studying has been happening, uh, Set has been moving in to the keep. Does it say which keep it is here or is that later? No, I think that's later. Um, and I like Orser uh, and Vin's observation that uh, this is apparently just a Set family thing of he appears to be keeping quite high standards for his own comfort if the amount of stuff that he's bringing is any indication. I also just want to talk about how I I had a dream this is true I had a dream the uh, night before I started reading this next section um, so it was after the cliffhanger of set has arrived and my dream was I don't know how I dreamed this I guess I had Richard Schiff's face in my head um, but is that um, that scene just cuts off and then we just cut to set is hanging out in Luthadel and they just have it's just an awkward sitcom where he's just the the cranky old neighbor next door um and then i read the section and yeah that's pretty yeah, much exactly what happens uh, we then though snap back from that scene uh to uh vin gets a good guess on what orser must have been thinking about earlier uh and asks if the Chandra have a religion uh, which is not a question that anyone has asked before that we've seen and this is uh, perhaps getting a little too close uh, because uh, Orser confirms that, that yes, there is one, uh, but very much does not want to say anything about it. And uh, Vin is, is very excited, uh, says, if the Chandra managed to, to keep their religion, uh, that suggests that the Lord Ruler's theological control wasn't absolute. And then mentally goes, what the hell am I saying? Why am I saying now? <laughs> But yeah, there's he isn't going to share a lot about this, uh, but he he does. Uh, Vin in in her way does kind of just tease some some details out of this. Uh, and there's some interesting stuff in here. What did uh, what did y'all think of this? Wow, it's quote Vin. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> there it is, right in the middle of page three eighty seven. Yeah. Wow. 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 Yeah. Um. But it's interesting, uh, you know, the humans being of, what was it? The, yeah, humans are of ruin, Chandra are of preservation. Um, yeah, I guess. Mm -hmm. Capital R, capital P. Humans are entropy personified. So, <laughs> so this is a thing that uh, if you had read Sanderson books in, different, in a different order, and this wasn't your first Cosmere series... Uh, you wouldn't know, like you wouldn't know what Orser was talking about here, but you would know uh, in the Cosmere there are powers called shards. Uh, they they're around the the universe. They have they're basically gods, uh, and they're very heavily involved in the magic of the worlds. 
and they have names like cultivation or autonomy. Uh, so capital R, capital P, ruin and preservation definitely feel pretty shard-like, though we don't know any details yet. I, I had to check. These are the first times these terms have appeared in the, in the series. I'm glad you checked because I was thinking that. And I was like, surely this... They're just so offhandedly mentioned. We must have nope. heard something about them before, but no. Uh, but yeah, uh, Orser goes over some things of the the Chandra religion, uh, which is that there are prophecies that uh, the the humans will destroy themselves, and actually using the Kolos, uh, and that the the Chandra will outlast them. There's also the the last thing we get from Orser before he decides to shut the hell up uh, is that there's a bond between the Chandra and the Kolos, but that is definitely not getting talked about. <laughs> I love that he 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 ends the conversation and it really feels like he's a Mass Effect companion and you're slowly upgrading <laughs> the friendship. He just goes, I have said too much already. You put me off balance, mistress. And then just like, you can see him turn his head and then walk away a With little bit. the one animation that Bioware always uses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but as as this particular companion dialogue has ended uh, Vin decides to look through her journal <laughs> and find another side quest to work on uh, which is the, the spy in the palace which thank you Vin yeah. <laughs> she'd been forced to ignore that fact for far too long forced? self forced when we move on to talking about the well can I do the the woody line you absolutely can and i think we are going to move on to talk about the well now because we get a very brief interstitial scene uh where ellen is continuing to try to deal with the problems of the city uh despite not being king which is a little awkward in the arrangement here uh but yeah sam tell us what's happened <laughs> somebody poisoned the water hole pretty much <laughs> yep several of them but this one most recently yeah there's not a lot of payoff to this scene yet it's just a thing that happens it shows that ellen is still trying to do some part of helping the city and then on we go it's just kind of a tease for a book called the well of ascension because i forgot about this scene because it's so brief so when you're like when we talk about the well i went the well the well <laughs> well well no, well this is a pit where they get water out of. It's just, it's just a well of descension. You have to go down it to get the water. All right. Uh, so with a tiny bit of, of linking dialogue where we know this is at the same time because Vin heard about something about people getting sick. Uh, we return to Vin trying to actually solve the, the spy problem. And she has apparently read the, uh, the predictions sheet. Uh, because Doxon mm. is on the list to be investigated today. <laughs> yeah, testing Dox. Which we had we talked about, um, Sam, when you made this prediction. Uh, Dox is going to be one of the people that's hard to to figure out because you can't do it alimantically. Uh, so Vin is just going to have to try to uh, see if he slips up, see if she notices something wrong and try to prove it that way right and i specifically said i didn't say like talk about conversations you had in the past that were private um 
but I did say try to like agitate <clears throat> him <clears throat> and see if you can catch him slipping. So there you go. <laughs> she does try both of those strategies in this. <laughs> we also get some descriptions of the library that Docs is working in and specifically that Ellen has just been slowly pillaging all mm-hmm. of the books out of it. Uh, which, you know, amongst all of his changes, which are for the better, you know, the more endearing traits of him being a big old nerd, they're still around. He's still slowly hunting these books down. God. I uh, I, I cringed a little when I read that because it, it hit close to home. The, the archive uh, training. My, my uh, Well, yeah, oh my God. Like when a researcher comes, uh, I used to work in an archive with with paper documents and um, little archival boxes and all that stuff. Uh, I got red rot on my sleeves. Uh, It's not fun. Um, But uh, researchers would come through and they'd look at like a dozen boxes at a time. And then you just go back and yeah, it's like pockmarked. The back uh, (laughs) uh, house is just like, box missing there box missing there this one got misshelved by the new hire Ugh. what is red rot uh red rot happens with old leather um it's uh i think like a fungus of some sort but it's it uh stains your clothes like extremely red i had to get new clothes oh boy is that me yeah oh shit Hang on, my smoke detector's going off. <laughs> this is this we're is doing great. Well. You know where you know where Sam keeps his red rot oh, in no. his sleeveys. In my sleeveys. <laughs> oh, sweet! The smoke detector stopped. Perfect. Yes, on my sleeveys, all over the sleeveys. It was a very awkward day for the rest of the day because I couldn't like go home and change. I had to keep working. <laughs> At least I'm sure everyone there was like, "Yeah, we've been there." Yeah, it's a it's a ritual. It's a <laughs> something you just go through when you're looking through old plat maps. So Docs is here, still just kind of doing his thing. Uh, he was always, you know, the the responsible, organized one, and so he's been trying to help run the kingdom. Uh, Vin thinks that he he seems a little different these days, though. Uh, And so she's going to have some tough conversations and see what she can identify. There's a lot of, of setup to this, of Vin being like, what, what? He's like, Dachshund seemed really stressed this past year. Vin, I can't imagine why. I, I, it's a mystery to me. And then that's followed up a couple paragraphs later of her being like, well, Dachshund does a lot of the banking, a lot of the numbers. And she's basically like, can Contra count? Do they do math? And it's like, I probably, probably, yeah. That's that seems like something they're capable of. Yes. There's also, I think she's uh missing kind of one she mentions it in her internal narration of you know Doxon was was Kel's right hand man for a very long time. Also, Kel is dead. Also, Dox is behaving differently. Like, you think that might be related? You think the man went through some stuff? Yeah. I like the specificity of it, but it also kind of sounded like an actor describing their motivation. Just a little bit. Um, 
you know, especially, I, I kind of get it. I get, like, you know, if I am to accept the nobility as not shitty people, then I did a bunch of crimes against people who are not shitty. And therefore, I feel penitent toward that. Like, I, all right. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree that this scene was a little tonally weird. It, I'm sure this was not the case, but it feels a little bit like Brandon going, ah, shit, I haven't put Dachshund in this much, huh? And, like, really cramming in some character study work <laughs> that uh, could have been stretched out over a few chapters. And to be fair, Dachshund spit some raw bars in here. Like, I still really <laughs> like this conversation, but yes, it yeah. feels very much like, yeah, let's just have all this in here all of a sudden. Um, I, I love that Vin is trying to think back of like, okay, what are some, what are some secret conversations only the two of us know about? And the only one she can think of is, right. Hey, remember your dead wife? Remember that time we <laughs> talked about your dead wife being tortured to death? Do you remember that? Do, do you remember when you talked about that? <laughs> Phrased as, you know, that conversation we had, which one? Yeah. You know. <laughs> and this the is one. like. Docs has not talked to Vin in like a month, presumably, from all the from what we've been reading so far. And then Vin walks in and Docs is like, hey Vin, how are you doing? And is still working, and Vin's just like, Well, I kinda wanna talk. And Doc's like, Okay, what are we gonna talk about? And then she just goes straight to, yeah, yeah, you remember the you remember the super traumatic conversation we had? Yeah, we're gonna talk about that. Like, <laughs> I would feel if I was Docs, I'd be like, I know Vin is weird, but like, yeah. what the hell is going on right now? <laughs> Do you want to ask me about my day first? Or... Yeah. yeah, the beginning of this conversation aside, which I do agree is is definitely weird because of the the weird dancing around things that Vin has to do. Uh, it is definitely like perhaps a little rushed because we haven't seen Docs in a while. But yeah, there's there's some good uh, some good stuff in here. Yeah. And we get to to the end of it, uh, like we mentioned, with uh, Doc's discussing his realization that if if Elend is a good person, if there are good people among the nobility, then it's not as black and white as he was always saying to himself. And perhaps there is some additional responsibility there. And it sounds like it, him and Kelsey are kind of fueled each other on this belief. And because he specifically notes that if Kelsier started to change at the end and, and did protect Ellen, then the whole house of cards mm -hmm. kind of starts crumbling. I I know it's been a solid eight minutes since we last mentioned Mass Effect, but I do want to bring <laughs> up Mass Effect again because uh, this conversation reminds me a lot of Morden trying to think about how his his role in what are essentially war crimes and you go on his loyalty mission and he's basically like, yeah, I have to talk for about 20 straight minutes to explain how I sleep at night. Um, here's every single detail where I was trying to do the best thing possible at the time I did it. And it still haunts me. It's still not great. Um, and I feel a little bit of this here of Dachshund starting to like, it, it's really starting to set in of by painting with such broad strokes back then it is a lot harder to deal with what I'm doing right God, now. Morden's plot is so good. It's very Play good. Mass Effect, it's good. There's like three 
pieces of media that I would ever conceivably do a podcast about. One of them, the one that we are doing, one of the others being Mass Effect. <laughs> and slowly but surely, we're turning this into a Mass Effect podcast anyway, yeah. so we can check that one off <laughs> the list. We're combining them into one. Our April Fool's podcast will be about Mass Effect 2. D- don't joke. Don't, we, we can we do don't that. Don't joke about that. <laughs> I'm not going to commit to anything that far in the future. I'm not going to commit to anything in February. <laughs> All right. Um, back in the realm of the book that we are doing a podcast on, Vin concludes that conversation, uh, and she thinks that Docs is clear. She thinks that this that one the details that he knew uh, of the the particular conversations that they had, uh, and then two just the the raw emotion of the way that they interacted. Uh, Vin is convinced that this has to be the real dachshund. Or Sir, on the other hand, is trying to temper that and says, I don't think you understand how good Chandra are at what we do. It could still be him. Which, I don't know where that leaves us trying to figure out who the imposter is. Well, does he try to temper that? Or is he not so or sure? (laughs) Are, are you actually, you like, wondering how intense this belief is, or did you just want to make that pun? Because either of those I'm fine with. <laughs> just wanted to make the pun. Great, cool. But I'm not backing down. I still think that it could okay. be Doc. I, I was going to ask, uh, as it, still... you were the one with this prediction down, uh, are you with Vin here that that conversation proved something? Or, you know, Orser says... Uh, you know, he he asks Vin about it, and Vin says, "Well, I I might have mentioned that conversation I had with Docs to Sazed once." And Orser says, "That might be enough. It, whoever is is imitating the spy here could have figured it out from then." Yeah, uh, Orser's explanation is like, "Oh, I love Condra. I think they're very cool, but this is some spooky stuff." Sure like, is. We meet them several times before we take over their lives to like. In, in different settings as different people to talk about them. We talk to their friends. We we tortured them quite thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. I will say, with regards to the torture specifically, um, the body was found on site, like the, the, the spy Condra's previous body, and it would feel weird to kidnap a person. Presumably, if you're going to torture them for information, that has to happen off-site, and it has to happen with someone who's not the Chandra, because the Chandra don't hurt or kill people. And then bring the person back for the Chandra to then consume their body and leave a skeleton behind. So I don't know about, in this particular instance, I don't know about the idea of Dachshund maybe being tortured, because I don't see a timeline for how that could have happened based on where we found the skeleton, but... Still, it's not a it's not a fun thought that that does sometimes happen, regardless. <laughs> and just as a meta aspect, you know, talking about like, um, you know, this is a a, a geo guesser. The Kenya car has a snorkel thing here. You know, I don't see Kenya. I just see the snorkel. Uh, I feel like if it is Demo, and you know, I think that. First of all, Caleb, great called shot there. I I do like, uh, you know that you said that, and then like the next chapter, you know, Demo is found being all sus. 
but I feel like it's kind of a cop out to have like a a, a peripheral character like Demo be the imposter. It would just have a lot more emotional impact if it was somebody in the core crew, you know? I, we could wait to get into it until theory time, but uh, I have slightly similar thoughts, actually, Sam. As, as much as I would like to be right about Demo, I am, I am uh, I'm, despite getting my first definitive evidence to support my theory, that's when I start having second thoughts, but we'll get more oh, detail. <laughs> yeah, looking forward later. to hearing about this. Yeah. But we'll yeah, as we uh, as we wrap up the the discussion about Doxon, Vin has, I guess, a bit of a lucky break here uh, because, well, I, I want to go over this first before the next thing happens where uh, Vin outright says what she's feeling about this whole uh, spy business, uh, which is that she's come to learn to trust the members of the crew, which is not an easy thing for Vin, as we've seen. And now that's being really damaged and it really does hurt her. And Orser, on the other hand, is uh, is the one who says, you know, I've, I've served a lot of masters and I've found pretty universally that they are uh, willing to be suspicious and hateful of, of everyone. Uh, and so how do you trust these people? And it's a, it's an interesting reversal there where just a book ago, Vin is definitely the one who would not have been able to trust. Yeah, Vin explaining trust to someone else is very strange. And she is in fact doing it in a situation where perhaps trust should not be automatically warranted. Um, which I think, you know, again, I fully understand exactly why Vin feels the way she does. And I think it's fantastic character work. And this is a, a progression and almost overcorrection of, well, now that I trust them, I don't even want to pay attention to mm -hmm. anything that makes me think I can't trust them. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit ironic that she has now come so far to trusting just these core people that she is basically willing to, when talking to a Chandra expert, because he's a literal Chandra, being like, yeah, all of your counter arguments, I just, I don't really want to think about those. So I'm going to say Doxon's clear. Yeah. There's a, there's a parallel I'm thinking of um, that we'll get to in the far, far future. Um, I can chat with Beth about this. In Era 2, um, one of the things that Brandon has said about the character of Wayne uh, is that when Wayne meets somebody, he makes like, a 30 second snap judgment on whether or not they're a good person who he can trust. And he's usually right, but he also never changes his mind, which can cause some friction yeah. where when he is wrong on, you know, he thinks that this person is awful and, and you've seen the other person. Uh, and I just, I think it's interesting that both Mistborn eras so far uh, have characters with, interesting uh relationships with the way that they trust the people around them and i just i just think that's cool yeah i'm in the process of reading the lost metal now thank you for loading it to me mm -hmm. justin and i just got through a scene where two other characters are like hey you have held this view of this one person for a very long time and have you considered that it's wrong maybe and it kind of rocks his world a little mm -hmm. bit 
but yes. But anyway, yeah. Now, now getting back to the the action that we were uh, following from from one to the next is uh, as Vin is is trying to gather her thoughts and is looking out of the the keep, uh, she sees someone uh, being a little sketchy outside, and so is immediately uh, uh, on the case. Uh, there's a moment where Vin and Orser do a little bit of a trick here where uh, <laughs> he jumps up into her arms and then she flies out the window and I really like it because uh, he's a massive, massive dog. Uh, but yeah, it is Captain Demo and he is sneaking somewhere. So now Vin has, has managed to clear Dachshund and she's found someone who can't be tested elementically is around during a lot of these important moments and is now sneaking out of the keep. And so this this is now our, our number one suspect. And that is where the scene ends. I do have a couple of notes. One is actually a question. Do we know what a padded coin is? How is that separate from a normal coin? Uh, I don't... I think they've mentioned it at some place. This is a thing that some Elemancers do where they will wrap a coin in like a scrap of cloth so that they can use it to push against, but it doesn't make noise when it like hits oh, a stone wall. Oh, that's clever. Okay. Um, and then my other note is the small thrill of when she believes it's Demo. I know we haven't gotten to know, gotten to know Demo particularly well, but there's something kind of messed up about going, oh, thank God it's just Demo that <laughs> yeah. got tortured and murdered. It's yeah. only one of my kind of friends. It's only one of my kind of friends who has been loyal to my army and my cause and is a, a good and just leader, but fuck that guy. It's not Docs. <laughs> yeah. Tomo had his own sort of heroism in the you know, in the first book. He he did some great things, but he did. Vin had almost no interaction with him. Right. Yeah. I also need to point out technically speaking we still haven't checked out clubs like that that's just it's just presumed clubs is not the contra like vin just doesn't even try it's just like yeah he's fine well he's not involved enough with the plot to be useful to as it's, a spy that's true <laughs> poor guy <laughs> i fought in a war once you know i don't know and i don't care <laughs> all right uh, we will have to check back in uh, with the uh, the spying in a little bit uh, because, well, first we're hearing from Quan uh, as he is, uh, having discovered Elendi, he has become quite famous, uh, quite important. And yeah, if if he was going to turn on Elendi and say that that he is not the hero as everybody else thought, then he goes back to being a nobody. And so that doesn't happen. Uh, but now we are back in the realm of politics as Ellen is uh, going to give this another try at can he figure something out, some way to to clever his way through this. <laughs> oh, and Ham suggests oust all eight merchants. To coin a <laughs> phrase, that's pretty ham-fisted. <laughs> you are on fire today, Sam. I'm sorry, but uh, but yeah, I I, I questioned like why uh, everybody's being shitty to Ellen. Like why just the merchants? Well, 
presumably the nobles presumably the nobles would not be quite as enticed by titles as the merchants would like by lens oh. whole deal is oh i'd love to have a title and the nobles are probably like we're we're good we'll, we'll stick with the <laughs> devil we know um but i do love this kind of sliding scale we get of penrod is like i don't read a lot of books but i've done a lot of politics and ellen's like i read a lot of books and i've been doing some politics and ham is like i know nothing about actual politics but i do love reading uh, thinking about things <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not reading. Not even reading. Yeah, just thinking. <laughs> Love to think. I mean, they're in the right room if they wanted to do some some reading. As Ellen notes, it's amazing how many books one could fit into a room, assuming one didn't want to move around very much. This is our uh, second and third description of how people study in this section. Because we got Vin who, mm-hmm. who studies laying down on the floor. We got Ellen, who kind of scatters his books, and then we got Sazed, who lines them up perfectly. And then we have Tindwell, who is present. (laughs) For a hot second, I thought you were saying the subject of Vin's study was laying on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I want to study that. Oh, man, the history of people laying on the floor. The first depiction (laughs) of someone laying on a floor. There's got to be a dissertation about that somewhere, right? I saw a really great question on Reddit Ask Historians, which is actually a great place, um, where somebody was asking, uh, what is the first recorded, either visually or literarily, depiction of a backflip in history? (laughs) Which is a great question. How old is this rad stunt? Yeah. And I believe the answer was at least ancient Greece and possibly older. Hell yeah, brother. So yeah, this is a uh, a very concentrated uh, scholarly effort to see uh, what happens now with, with Set in the mix. Uh, we have uh, Elland, uh, Ham, we have Sazed with his very well-aligned books. Uh, Tindwell is present, but very pointedly not interacting with this effort. Uh, we also have Norden, who is a former obligator, uh, who apparently is uh, is joining this effort. Uh, we we know that the the obligators ran a lot of the the day to day of the empire, uh, so he's probably well acquainted with um, a lot of the more practical aspects of this. I do love Norton as a concept. I think it's so, like, it, it feels so weird to have an obligator in the room and, like, a cheerful obligator mm-hmm. at that, um, <laughs> but someone who is absolutely part of the old system and definitely contributed to the Lord Ruler being able to oppress everybody else um, is just here to help. I just think that's such a fascinating dynamic yeah. to have in the room. Yeah. So my favorite character trope, or one of them, I guess, is former bad guy who's glad to not be a bad guy anymore. Hmm. Yeah, he gets to keep helping run the city, but now not for a tyrannical, godly despot. (laughs) Um, We also do get a moment of uh, Ellen thinking about Sazed, and he does uh, directly think about the fact that he did not really rescue Vin. It was mostly Sazed, and then Ellen just kind of showed up. And good good job, Ellen. You, you get points. Good boy for, for clarifying that. <laughs> yeah. And then viewing it as a metaphor for everything he's ever done wrong. 
And that's where we get to the relatable part, and you win more points, Ellen. (laughs) I'm still... I'm going to stand up for Ellen's raid on Credit Shaw, because he definitely gave them time enough to, like, not get, you know, murked or whatever in the hallway. Um... So I'm still on. I'm still with you, Ellen. Even though you you can't wield a dueling cane for shit back then. No. <laughs> I agree. I think I think he is correct to be putting respect on Sezed's name, as as he should be. But he, it's not like he d- didn't do anything. Like if he didn't show up, they would have been fucked. Okay. <laughs> we'll get back to that, I guess. Uh, so they've tried to figure out what they can uh, about Set. Uh, one thing that they have found uh, is that uh, he has been doing a decent amount of trading with the city of Luthadel. And even though the image that he's projecting is, um, you know, very upfront, uh, not playing all these political games, uh he definitely is more involved than he would like to seem. I, you know what? I'm still hesitant here about something because it says uh, that Ellen could easily parse the information on the ledger. Um, and I did, I did a quick experiment, dear listener, um, and Caleb was able to parse it. So I, I'm with you, Caleb. I'll, I'll believe you. But, like, the more advanced ledgers and stuff, you need to have some introduction to the concept of ledgers to understand <laughs> them at a glance like that. I, I don't know. Do you, do you want to test me? I can try to explain what I parsed. Uh, if you want to, yeah. I, I believe, again, it's been a couple days since I looked at it, but I believe in the ledger you sent, um, the person was spending a ton of money on a bunch of stuff with almost no... Uh, um, increase in income so the question is where the fuck did this person get so much money yeah all right yeah it's pretty much yeah (laughs) so uh yeah you can tell i guess if if in this case i think the test is is the number zero or does the name appear and the name set appears so therefore i guess you could parse it but you know there's there's complete to these things i'm i'm a very elitist accountant man cut that cut that i'm embarrassed i'm embarrassed that i said those words we'll cut everything except for me just saying that we'll cut everything all right so uh they they don't have a a good solution here yet uh like we've found before uh there aren't really any uh easy loopholes in the the legal structure here that ellen has helped set up uh uh, another, I'm sure, good moment of uh, self-awareness from Ellen, uh, where uh, Norden gets, you know, is is trying to just have a, a joke, and he's like, "Oh, you know, you're too competent for your own good, huh?" Uh, and Ellen's like, "Yeah, uh, unfortunately, that's rare." <laughs> God bless Ellen. <laughs> he's also really tired, and and he's thinking, Vin is doing this all the time. This must suck for her. <laughs> she's got pewter honey she's cheating just a little bit <laughs> Ellen Venture gets access to pewter and uses it to just study for four days straight <laughs> he would so there's a, a a brief mention of one possibility that they haven't yet really talked about out loud uh, which is what if we do let Set 
rule. Uh, and the the reaction is, I do not think that would go well. Uh, he just kind of does what he wants on a whim and would not have the people's interests in mind in that way. Yeah. I mean, you know, set... <laughs> set is a hammer. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Set is a sledgehammer. <laughs> he's not used to build. He's used to destroy. I don't know what I'm saying. What I'm saying is he doesn't build empires. He just, like, rules things. Right. Like... He, he throws his power around, but he's not going to... Like, the the empire in question here is, like, the remnants of the final empire. And if someone is going to actually take that, like, somewhere, Set is probably not the person to do it. Elend ends up having a bit of a, a defeatist moment here uh, where he says, you know, all the way back at the beginning, we talked about we should just pick which army we do ally ourselves with. And maybe that's what we should have done all along. Uh, and then it's it's Sazed uh, who says it, it doesn't matter what uh, what um, uh, and then it's Sazed who is is now on the uh, doing democracy poorly train uh, <laughs> who who says it's not about what they all say they want. Uh, it's it's about you doing the thing that is right which is convenient when it's our heroes who are the ones trying to do the right thing. It is it is strange to hear Sazed, the voice of reason for a book and a half, looking Ellen dead in the eye and going, Master Ellen, fuck democracy, just do what you want. Well, I, you know, I don't... I, I guess I didn't read it quite as sternly as other people did. I mean, Tindwell obviously wants him to just be king and rule everything. Mm -hmm. But I think what Sazed is saying here is not, like, antithetical to the idea of still just being, like, a leader. Um, you know, like, sometimes you're not going to have the approval of everybody. Uh, you just got to do what's what's right. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to get political and name a single politician's name. But every politician makes decisions that people, that not everybody will like. Right. You know? So. And in some I sense, agree. like the reason that you put one person in charge is to for them to do the things that they think are right. Like if they didn't think they were right, they wouldn't be in that position. Yeah, and I do agree with that. But this is a conversation that's literally about, well, if the majority of people don't want you to be king, should you still be king? Which is how democracy works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Uh, we are now joined by Vin, uh, who makes her arrival in a particularly Mistborn fashion. Uh, she comes in through the window, um, makes fun of Ellen about all the books, which I do like. She's like, how many of these things are there? Uh, and then jumps onto a stack of books. And she's doing fine. She's just balancing up there, no problem. Uh, but the Mist Cloak is getting all over and smudges one of the things that Ellen is writing. She's like, sorry. <laughs> Vin as cat. Pretty Miss much. Just wants to be tall. Confirmed. She just wants to be tall. Um, <laughs> like a landy. I do. <laughs> You're I, all I, reaching toward a landy. 
I do also <laughs> love that it's specifically the small ventilation window, which I have to picture being at like the top of right. the top part of the wall. So I just imagine her crawling in like a xenomorph and just like <laughs> squishing through and then landing on a stack of books and being like, what's up? Yeah, it, it's a very unusual, unconventional travel style. So with Vin joining the, the discussion here, uh, she's not ready to voice her suspicions on Captain Demo just yet, uh, but does want to talk to him about the, uh, the people who got sick. Uh, which it turns out that he has already been informed about and meant to tell Vin or was going to tell Vin and forgot or something happened. There was a communication breakdown and that uh, bothers her a little bit. You know, it's, it's a little thing, circumstances considered, but it, it, it does bug her a bit. It bothers her so much that Reen comes back. Eh, maybe more Reen. than a bit then. Oh. <laughs> Works her way into her mind like a little worm. Hey, I'd prefer Reen over Zane. <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, during this scene, we get uh, another uh, funny moment with the... Uh, I think we opened last episode uh, with Tindwell being absolutely furious uh, that Ellen wrote this legal code that allowed him to be deposed. Uh, and then in this scene, she figures out that Sazed helped proofread it and is now pissed at him. Sazed. <laughs> I do love that of all the energies to put out, Ellen starts putting out dad energy by <laughs> saying, I won't stand for Sazed hatred in this house. And then Tindwell's like, I'm sorry, Ellen. And Ellen goes, no, no, you're not going to apologize to me. You're going to apologize to Sazed. <laughs> And then she just leaves instead. <laughs> I love it. Like, I I think she's wrong. I think she should apologize or just be more chill about it. But I fucking love that she just leaves. Absolutely. Man, Ellen is kicking ass lately. <laughs> in this section entitled King, in which he is not the king. But he feels like it. He feels like it. I can't imagine what this entire process is like for Tindwell, whose goal was to make Ellen more king-like. And he's becoming more and more king-like, but he's doing it while he's not king. And she's like, I, what, what am I doing here, man? What is this? What is this job anymore? Yeah, we, uh, from there, though, we get, this has been, I guess, festering a bit uh, with the way that Ellen and Vin have been interacting. Uh, and... We saw some moves in the positive direction with, with Ellen at least acknowledging the way that he had been uh, using her powers. Uh, but now from Vin's POV again, and I, I think it is going to be worse when we're seeing it from Vin's POV, uh, it is, this relationship isn't in the place where we'd like it to be. No. I, I feel bad for her, and this is not me criticizing her in any way. Again, this is one of those circumstances where I absolutely understand the mentality, and I absolutely understand that she's a teenager. But, girl, do you want him to need you, or do you want him to not need you? Because she's upset when he goes, I need you because you're a Mistborn. And then she's also upset when he's like, just because you're a Mistborn doesn't mean I need you. I just love you without you without me needing you i still love you and 
I, I, I don't know what she wants. I don't know if she knows what she wants. That's probably a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, the, uh, problem here of why she's feeling so conflicted about everything. Um, but it's just, it's, it's frustrating to see these two not talk out their issues maturely, despite the fact that, yeah, in this circumstances, it would be in character for them to not talk out their problems maturely. So I fully understand why it's progressing as it is. It's just sad to see. Yeah. Yeah. She really, to dust off my psychology major, which I haven't used in a minute, has bounced from an avoidant attachment style, where she just tried not to, to an, uh, yep, haven't used it in a while. I think it was called an insecure attachment style, where she just, like, gloms on to anyone she's attached to and is, is clinging so tight. And it seems, like, surface level may seem better, because it's like, okay, you're letting people in, but still isn't healthy. Yeah. And so we go right from this uh, really uh, difficult relationship musing uh, to everyone's favorite arrival uh, because Vin hears something outside, goes out to go back on patrol, and Zane's here. It's been a bit. And it was a nice bit. I was going to say, it could be a bit longer. Uh, but this is this is a, a much more brief exchange. Uh, they, uh, Vin seems to think that they're going to have a, a sparring session, uh, which they do. Uh, it's a little bit dangerous for a sparring session, as Zane does seem to be trying to actively kill her. Uh, and she realizes pretty quick into this fight uh, that she's not accomplishing anything and he's barely putting in an effort uh, which clues her into the fact that he is burning atium and it's it's about to go very wrong uh, and then at the very last second zane stops and apparently this attack was simply to determine if it was really true that they didn't have any atium uh, because if if there was any then vin would have it and she would have used it to fight back in this situation where she was pretty definitely going to get killed. And then he doesn't kill her and just leaves. He talks for far too long first. Well, yes. Maybe this is a, <laughs> uh, a, a, a testament to what I think of Zane, but I was very much hoping, and I, this, this doesn't work as well in a book as it would in a movie, but I was very much hoping that the fight would start and Vin's realizing, oh, he's really have to get me this time. I know it's going to happen. And then it's just a cut back to everyone in the study and there are just some very faint thumps on the ceiling, and nobody pays attention to them. They just keep reading, and then it cuts back to the fight. I just, I just, I wish that Alex had happened. just goes, ah, Vin. <laughs> yeah, this is like right above them. But yeah, to close out the chapter, we get, uh, uh, we get a bit of monologuing. It's a dialogue, but it's mostly Zane monologuing. <laughs> I'm Ellen's brother. I, before we go forward, I have to ask, are we, are we, like, do we represent the majority of the fandom in our thoughts on Zane, Or is there, like, a really big chunk of the fandom that's like, oh, I can fix him. He's the best. I think he's pretty universally disliked. Okay. All right. Just wanted to check. There's sometimes people out there. No, I, I don't think he has, like, the, like people trying to be edgy or people trying to to save him i don't think he really has there are people who think he's an interesting character 
uh, for sure. for some reasons in particular that we haven't quite seen yet. Um, but no, I don't think he has the uh, the the fandom in that way that some other characters okay. in, in other media do. There's no there's no Zane posters on dorm walls nah. anywhere out there that you know of. Nah. Okay, if we got more of the God the voice of God thing, I'd be I and I'm hoping we will get more of it. Then I'm more willing to tolerate his presence. But yeah, we're we're just gonna get a supervillain monologue for this section of the chapter. At least the one very thin silver lining I take from this conversation is that Vin acknowledges that there's some sort of weird romance happening, which is progress, because before it had to be Orser going, hey, girly, you are obsessed with this boy. And yeah. she's like, no, no, I just, no. I just need to spar. Maybe now that she acknowledges that it exists, she can go away from it consciously. <laughs> I say, my hands clasped pleadingly. <laughs> I believe that we'll never see Zane again because Vin learned her lesson. <laughs> it's like the secret. If you just manifest it, it'll happen. <laughs> I'm not going to do this. I, I was. I could have done this as a bit, but it would be great if the next time we do we record a session, a Zane chapter shows up, and I go, "That's weird." My edition just goes to the the part with with docs and ham I, I don't know what you're talking about there's no there's no zane here these different editions are crazy oh anyways i guess since i didn't read that part we can't talk about it <laughs> hmm. and then zane goes back to the old refrain dump him and marry me dump him and marry me you should dump him and you should marry me it is always kind of the same thing with this sort of character, isn't it? It's like, you know, the cool thing with Voice of God talking to him, interesting parallels with both Vin and Zane being kind of outcasts in their own ways and then finding their way as a Mistborn. But then you do end up with dump him and run away with me. He doesn't understand you like I do. Ignore the fact that I just tried to kill you a little bit. And explicitly says that he still might. Let's run away together so I won't have to kill you. That's a healthy foundation to the relationship. <laughs> but yeah, we will we'll wrap this segment up. Uh, Vin now knows that Zane is uh, Alan's half-brother. Uh, there does seem to be a bit of a more stated... Uh, romantic tension of some sort between them uh and that zane also does uh deliver some information a that that straff wants zane to kill vin uh and b that there was a group of refugees who were coming from uh a city that's very nearby uh, after that city was attacked by coloss so the coloss are closer than is perhaps good and also those refugees are going to be a strain on the city of Luthadel. And we can leave that there and not see Zane for the rest of this section. I, I will say, I am curious, wasn't he supposed to have a suicide squad by this point? Where are those guys at? He did request them and we didn't see them. Mysterious. He, he did say, and I quote, can you give me some sort of suicide squad? That's true. I remember he did say that. Yeah. Weird how that There's works. There's a lot of red tape involved with getting a suicide squad, you know? 
You just need a, a, a frowny administrator to gather them. You just need Viola Davis. <laughs> yeah. If Viola Davis joined any single one of these factions, they would win the war in like two days. <laughs> Viola Davis is Tindwell? Oh my god. That's actually uh, a really cool idea. Uh, I'm considering. I, I'm marinating. All right, we'll we'll get to that later then. Uh, we do have one yeah. more chapter to go through. Uh, this is our our epigraph here is kind of the biggest thing that Quan has actually said in these epigraphs, which is outright declaring that Quan, Worldbringer of Terrace, is a fraud. Could have gotten there earlier. I guess that's the biggest <laughs> thing he said, but he's basically been saying it in other words for. Right about 34 chapters now right <laughs> this is like the the frantic yammering on of of a man who thinks he's going to die i was uh i, I was previewing some of our uh future uh reading segments and there's an epigraph coming up that is definitely going to frustrate some of you with uh kwan's commentary on his own wordiness so we'll get there. But don't worry, he's running out of space, so he's going to start speeding up the story We soon. hope so. I think I've been as concise as I can be in this. <laughs> yep, super concise. Just really looking back, every single word I've put down is just the most concise, even more concise than I would have expected from myself. Just, I can't talk about and can't emphasize enough just how concise I've been so far. And Oh, shit, I'm out of room. Okay, damn it. <laughs> all right in our final chapter uh we have now skipped ahead that one week and it is time for ellen to meet with set uh, and so vin is now uh preparing she remarks like like the old days like the parties uh to go to a keep and have a dinner and is assisted in this preparation by tindwell uh, who still is actually helping her in this in this regard. I, I am amused by Tindwell saying that uh, Ellen is, is close to the point where uh, he will not be getting Tindwell's instruction. Uh, Vin asks if he's if that means that Ellen is close to being the, the kind of person that she wants him to be. Uh, and she says, oh, fuck no. But there's only so much <laughs> that, that I can do. And now he'll learn from everyone else. Uh, and we go on then to Ellen to see uh, the way that this evening is going to go. And it's going to be very different than the meeting with Straff. Uh, this will be a full formal procession with armed guards and all that uh, to the keep. And they will, they will have this meeting. Uh, they are, they're gathering up uh, the crew. Ham is there. He wanted to go on the last one. Now he's here heavily armed. Uh, Spook will be there. Uh, Breeze is getting ready to go. Uh, Ellen gives him a, a, a platitude of, you know, you don't have to come with. And Breeze says, great, I'm not going then. <laughs> Enjoy the dinner. <laughs> he is perhaps a little hesitant to uh, go see Orianne's dad. <laughs> so yeah, they are heading off to uh, the dinner and we will see how this goes. Uh, Ellen has a... Uh, uh, a thought as they are on their way in the carriage uh, where he points out that 
they met up several times at the balls in the days of the final empire uh, but before they actually had a chance to go to one together everything kind of went to shit <laughs> they overthrew a government real quick mm -hmm. or at least vin did ellen was for a good portion Elland of that was present. <laughs> right ellen was involved in other ways giving a speech off screen <laughs> yeah he wasn't even present <laughs> Well, Ellen was, we weren't. Yeah. <laughs> really, that's on us. So, yeah, they arrive at Keep Hasting. Uh, this is, there's all sorts of ceremony and uh, posturing here. Set has his full armed guard uh, ready to receive them. Uh, there's a doorman there. Set is obviously not there himself. He's, he's waiting uh, for them to arrive. Uh, Demo is along and Vin is trying to, to not let this bother her and not give everything away uh, that she is is onto him uh, but at least if uh, Demo is the, the spy uh, Vin does know that the contract forbids him from actually hurting them so that is, is something at least and then we get uh, dinner with Ashweather Set uh, which having met the man earlier I feel like this is very on character with him and it's it's fun to watch in in that way of just watching someone be that over the top yeah this fucking guy <laughs> this this was my favorite scene from this whole section um this is a lot of this conversation is what i wanted from the ellen and straff thing and and uh, ellen and straff ended up being a lot of like just kind of staring each other down and kind of Ellen awkwardly adjusting his plan as they go and here you know set mentions a couple of times that like yeah I've, he's like the, there's a really cool moment of like i've lied to you three times and you won't know what three times those were but on the whole there's a lot of guys just putting their cards on the table and just having a chat and it's the vibe is just completely different and i really love it it's just really entertaining mm -hmm. to read um, the scene literally ends with one of the two kings smiling and the other one laughing, and they just go on their way. And like that's just such a fascinating scene to have in the middle of this like siege. And it's just two kings talking, and they're just pretty chill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of the the three lies during this conversation, uh, I I when you said that, I reminded myself to look this up. Uh, in the annotations for this book, Brandon does say what the three lies are. I was curious Ooh. if there was an answer to that question. There is, and they are not like super plot critical details, so I can tell you what they are. Ooh, can we save it? I think save it because then that means there's other things that he's not lying about where it might be a question of if he's lying about them or not. That's fair. I will tell you one of them, though, uh, which is that the third lie... Uh, was that there were only two lies, which yes, he knows that was one of my I knew it! I knew it! <laughs> I knew it! Okay, I'm very happy that everyone was on the same page there. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm jumping to this annotation right now so that I can read what the lies were. Here, I got you. Thank uh, you. Link in this channel. There you go. I, Thank you. I have... Um, uh, in my predictions, what the other two okay, guys are. Okay, cool. We will definitely get to that then. What I think they are. I feel 
we could have instant payout for that. Uh, I mean, if it's not plot critical, yeah, no, we'll, we'll you know, see. it's not going to spoil. All right. So, yeah, the things that... Uh, in, this is a you know a, a whole fun back and forth between Set and, and Ellen. Um, we get uh, some some info on what happened with Breeze. Uh, apparently Set recognized him right away and the spying was somewhat less effective than they thought. Yeah, Set, you know, for all his kind of boorish manner, he does seem to have a pretty good read on people. That I will, I'll give him credit for. So yeah, uh, Set puts his cards on the table as to what his plan is, uh, which is if he wins... Uh, he will have Ellen assassinated because you can't have the old king laying around. Uh, if Ellen leaves uh, and votes for Set, then I guess Ellen can live. Uh, the assembly will go away, and Set will rule as a uh, a single leader in their place. So, if we believe him on that, he's fairly upfront with it. And. He might not be telling the truth about every single part of it, but you're inclined to believe him because he's like, yeah, I would have you assassinated. Yeah, I'm getting rid of the assembly. Like he's <laughs> he's being very honest about things that like in, in in our modern context of what politicians, quote unquote, should do. It's make promises that you sort of maybe half intend on keeping. But if circumstances change, but like tell the people what they want to hear so that you can secure uh, their vote and their money and everything. And Seth's just like, no, no, I'm. if you don't leave, I will have you killed. That's that's how it's going to go. And you, you got to respect that. <laughs> yeah. So the, the one point during this negotiation that does end up being uh, a bit more interesting than either party thought, uh, which is that Set wants the ATM. Uh, and he is willing to, to trade food in cans so we know that there's food in the cans now uh for some of the atm and again ellen has to say we don't have it Uh, and they do seem to have gotten one over on set here uh, because we had heard uh way back when that breeze had been sowing these seeds of oh there's a there's still a hidden atm supply in order to get set there to make this this multi-way negotiation possible and that apparently set didn't catch on to and was fooled by it and when he finds out he got fooled he just laughs about it there's no hard feelings at all you gotta love this guy (laughs) but then they go right from that great moment to set saying You've judged me and you think I'm a good man. You're wrong. Honesty does not make a man less of a tyrant. I've slaughtered thousands. I put burdens on the sky. I made certain that I stayed in power. I will do the same here. And I read that and had to go, oh, shit. (laughs) Like, yeah, you kind of, you fooled me. Like, you are a very likable person, but you're also awful. Mm -hmm. And you needed to tell me that directly to get me to remember. I love this guy. Fuck this guy. I love this guy. (laughs) get a lot of this guy <laughs> so yeah at, at the very end of this uh we have a, a a bit here where vin uh does some reconnaissance to see what uh, sort of alamancers set has uh on hand here uh, the answer is not many and not the ones that she thought 
there are a couple of uh, thugs. There's a tin eye nearby. From what she can tell, there's there's no copper. Uh, there's no soothing or rioting. And yeah, it, it it's... Vin definitely thinks there's something missing there. And the fact that there is no copper almost makes it feel like he's totally cool with everyone knowing. Like some of them are hidden as, as server staff, but Set really does not care if, if people know exactly how much power he has in the room because he knows he has enough power to be all right for the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then this chapter somehow manages to wrap up with like mutual quippy banter uh where <laughs> set is you know listing off these he's like there's got to be adium here somewhere and and ellen said no we really tried there's none uh and so he says well i i guess i can't hold you hostage then and ellen's like they already threw me out like what more can they like i'm nobody <laughs> set really snuck into luthadel and then went shit man you live like this exactly <laughs> All right. Uh, but yeah, that wraps up our section. Uh, our next reading is going to finish part three, is going to be chapters 36, 37, and 38. Uh, and so we will see what the conclusion of uh, King is before heading onwards. Uh, I know we've mentioned, we've mentioned both uh, a couple of things in the realm of casting, but also some things in the realm of predictions. So I'm eager to get to both. In terms of casting... I would imagine both of you might have new thoughts on set. <laughs> Man, I'm I'm staying pat. I've got uh, Hugh Keys burn. I'm still going. With okay, him. we can. I think that is we that is a pretty that. solid choice. Still, that makes sense. Um, mine is ironically something I did mention last time, um, which is if the vibes are right, maybe it's not Richard Schiff. Maybe it's Brian Blessed. Yeah, I'm just going to cast Brian Blessed. I feel like he'd do great. <laughs> Beth and I sure did mention when when his name came up, we, we definitely said he very well could be set. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, in terms of new characters, we've had a couple of, uh, of smaller ones. Uh, we've had the very weirdly named Njordan. 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 Don't know if either of you have someone... Uh, in I've got one. Sure, I do. Uh, I'll go. All right. So, uh, I'm I'm keeping with my baseball players because uh, the book mentions that he's about Spook's age, and Spook is Pete Armstrong. So Njordan is Owen Casey, another Cubs prospect. Go. Um, I, I it's not quite the same uh, age as as who I cast for Spook, but um, I got kind of weird vibes from Njordin. Um So I am going to cast Jamie Campbell Bauer, who had uh, a pretty significant oh. role as the orderly, one of the main orderlies in Stranger Things Season 4. Um, and he also was, I believe, Anthony in the Sweeney Todd movie. And a couple of other just like scattered things of, oh, hey, yeah, I saw him in that thing. Um, but right. yeah, I don't know. Just the image of this guy walking from Ashweather over to Ellen and being like, well, it's time to schedule your appointment. I was like, I, yeah, I could see Jamie Campbell Bauer doing that. All right. Uh, and then 
we also have a, a weirdly similar name that I'm just realizing how similar they are. We also have Norden. Norden. Uh, the, Heavy on the nasals. The, yeah, exactly. The weirdly happy obligator. Yeah. So I know Inquisitors in, Inquisitors were all uh, wrestlers, but uh, mm. obligators, you, you've got your pick. Exactly. I'm going with Rick Moranis. Okay. Yeah, it does I mean, say he even spectacles. still today, like, not retrospective Rick Moranis. Like, today Rick Moranis still works for him. He's going to come out of retirement to play Nordin in the Well of Ascension. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, for Nordin, I have uh, Ken Lung, probably just because I've seen him with uh, tattoos around his eyes in Marvels and Humans. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's a good actor who was unfortunately in Marvels and Humans. Um, and yeah, I, I think he'd do good. Okay. <laughs> Anybody, any other minor names that I have forgotten? Because, spoiler, they weren't that important. I think that does it for this section. I, I don't know if there were anyone, there's any actually new people from this section. I could be missing one, but... Yeah, I, I think, think that's, that's it. it. Circling very briefly back to my Viola Davis musings, Justin, who isn't there a popular fan cast for Sazed people have in mind that Brandon has also been like that uh, would be good. Lance Reddick. Lance Reddick, wasn't it? Yeah. Lance yeah. Reddick, yes. But when we were discussing that, we brought up the sticky situation that you would have by right. having a black man play someone in the like subservient right. race. Which casting viola davis would also not <laughs> help with no, no so much. i'm gonna leave that button unpushed okay. for the time being that's fair although and now i'm thinking now i'm brainstorming of how do we get viola davis in here um yeah because she got her which uh as we as we brought up the potential of uh uh changing a character's gender to have more than one woman in the entire that's movie that's true yeah <laughs> um I think Viola Davis could also play a good dachshund, potentially. Oh. Okay. I'm going to marinate on that, too. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to officially change my, my casting for dachshund, but if we're trying to find a good spot for Viola Davis, I think she'd rock that role. All right. I do have a new... I have a recast okay. uh, so, uh, for our, our friend Zane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have one that's, uh, that's got prescient details to it. Uh, because there's a, a lot of similarity here. Um, I'm going with Jesse Lacey. Uh, <laughs> continuing with a, the former singer of a thing. He's the former lead singer of the band Brand New. Um, also a, a, a loud, angsty band. <laughs> um, and uh, just a background detail on him. Uh, he was canceled for sexual misconduct reasons. Oh, uh, great. Which I think cool. is fully appropriate. For Zane. <laughs> cool. We'll let you restart so. your career by being in this big movie, <laughs> but only because you play in this <laughs> dirtbag. Listen, like, like I've said, my casting is just who I envision. Not necessarily. Caleb, Caleb's casting is like reasonable stuff. You know, <laughs> you are like we're not going to cast Dan Vogelbach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're not going to cast him. In a, in a movie, but yeah, no. uh, just to 
mental image is Jesse Lacey. Fair. So. Not not to say it's not allowed. Jesse Lacey is forty four, um, but perhaps you're hoping true. for heyday Jesse Lacey. I don't know how old he was when Brand New was a thing. <laughs> I'll be honest, Sam. I have not heard of the band Brand New until you said it just now. Um, <laughs> but I also don't know anything about music, so that's how it go. They're an angry band. Okay. Um, yeah, we've had, uh, in terms of, of looking to the future, uh, we have had uh, some things that we brought up that we wanted to talk about. Uh, Sam, I know you said you had a new category. What was it? It was not an actual prediction, but I'm mad. I'm curious what you're <laughs> yes. mad about. Can we just start with that real quick? Yeah, sure. My nap bim here, my non-actual <laughs> prediction, but I'm mad, is that Ellen will give the people what they so badly want and take absolute power. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they demand subjugation. Okay. I mean, yeah, it would... There would definitely be a an interesting way that that would go. Like, they've done all this work to to build this. Like, let's let's try not to throw it away. Yeah, I I don't know. There's there's a lot of work that's gone into this, you people. Let's give it a chance. You don't have to look over your shoulder all the time because the Lord Ruler's dead. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. Well, we've got a vote coming up in. It should just be a week now, given that we've had one week till the dinner. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, do you, Sam, do you want to get us started with your uh, predictions that you may or may not be mad about? Sure. Uh, all right. I'm going to just strike the ones. Every time we have the, the time crunch, I have the most notes, but that's okay. Uh, I understand, you know, things are things. Um, so, uh, I'll, I'll narrow it down to this. Uh, I think Demo's not the Condra. I think it's a red herring. I think he was sneaking around for a different reason. Like, okay. a, oh, I was doing this for the good of the kingdom, or whatever. Um, I think that uh, Vin is going to end up following him, pursuing him, like, doing this thing, and she's going to ruin whatever he's doing for the good of the kingdom. Mm kind of a trope you know it happens uh in cringy comedies all the time like i was planning a surprise party for you that kind of thing uh, i've ruined the kingdom Except... ah no, well all's forgiven yeah but with uh with higher stakes than you ruined your surprise party um obviously uh like i said it's kind of lame if it is demo because there's no emotional impact for Vin. There's no right. like development of character if it's just Demo. But certainly not as much as as Docs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let me see what else. Uh, um, the best move might be to stall uh, for this. I mean, surely there's something in the legal book that like allows them to stall. You know, call Saul, do a Tukumkari, delay the vote. You know, like, oh, I, I detected uranium deposits under the assembly. We have to evacuate and we'll reconvene another week. Now, that would be an interesting elementic metal. <laughs> like, just uranium. Uh, but just do something. Like, just delay it because the co-ops are on their way. That's another variable factor right. that you can take advantage of, hopefully, possibly, if you're smart. Um, 
let's do that. Uh, and then I think the fun thing to predict is three lies. Yep. Uh, <laughs> all right. So one I got right. Bam. He only told two lies. Bam, bam, bam. Uh, second lie is uh, Ellen did not arrive late. Okay. And the third, the third lie is uh, he chased Breeze away, but he doesn't really care if he's dead or not. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm definitely going to be looking forward to seeing what happens when Vin does have to confront Demo on A, is there is this actually where the Chandra is involved? And B, if not, what are the consequences based on what Demo is doing? Right. Okay. Uh, Caleb, how about on your end? All right. I know I always take forever in this section, so I'm going to speed run it today. Um, one, I think there's a chance that Set and Strap are still working together and that the whole Set becomes king then gives power to uh, Strap once he finds the Adium. However, now Zane is presumably going to report back to Strap and has full confirmation there's no Adium. And now Set knows there's no Adium. So I, I would love, I would love a chapter from Set's perspective on how he's going to take this information. Um, I don't know if we're going to get it. I just, I'm really hoping for that. Um, but I think there's a chance there was a little alliance between the two of them. But now that there's confirmed no Adium in the city, that might start to uh, mess with uh, that dynamic. Um, okay, next up, there's the question of, is the prophecy real? Is the prophecy all just a hopeful story? But the Ascension powers have to be real to some extent. The Lord Ruler got something that helped calm the mists down, and that something went wrong once the Lord Ruler died. That did so, seem to happen pretty definitely. There's, There's <laughs> got to be something. Um, but again, one of my theories is that what he got from the Well of Ascension was just Allomancy itself. And so maybe that's, maybe Lord Ruler just had some hidden Allomantic technique that Vin will now have to learn. Because another thing, I'm, I'm, I, another guess is that, um, Assuming Vin ever leaves uh, to go for the Well of Ascension, which it's <laughs> seeming like she's never going to. Um, if she does leave, she's going to get all the way there. And I think there's a very strong chance the well is empty and there's nothing there for her. And the secret actually lies elsewhere. And she was the chosen one all along and it was within her the whole time or something like that. But um, perhaps just something along the lines of she it's something she has to learn rather than something she just needs to acquire because there's nothing left to acquire at the well. Um I'm so curious, can all Mistborn hear the distant, like, drums and the thrumming? Mm -hmm. It didn't seem like Kelsier did, but Vin did before Lord Ruler was even dead, so it's not necessarily connected to the Lord Ruler dying. And that makes me wonder if Zane can hear it, but probably not, because Zane's got a lot of other stuff happening, and we, there's that, probably not. He's hearing enough things. Yes, he doesn't need anything else. Um, okay, and then... Um, Zane is like, you'll see, you'll all see one day. So I'm curious if he's going to force Ellen's hands and, uh, come up with some scenario that will force Vin to act as an assassin for the kingdom. Um, or at the very least cause some situation that will force, uh, Ellen to again, publicly declare Vin is uh, our best defense. And mm. that's what she's good for. And that's what she's useful for. I feel like Zane has a specific plan in mind for driving a wedge between the two of them because fuck zane um and then <laughs> next um 
I don't think Ash Weatherset is a Mistborn, but I do think Njordnin might be a Mistborn, or at the very least, an Alamancer of some kind. I think uh, Njordnin is, is hiding something, and he's the actual physical threat um, backing up his father's power. Um, and then a random question I had is, where was Alrien during all this? You really think she would have been important in the chapters where Set is like a central where her theme? her father arrives, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but I guess not. Um, and then my last thing is, I'm actually a lot on board with Sam because, oh god, no, Vin, you're too confident with no proof. Demo now feels like a super big red herring. She literally says... We'll cross docks and off for now. We'll circle back if I can't find any leads. What's this? A lead? As she looks a out lead. the window and sees something. And that just seems way too convenient. Um, I am going to stray from Sam a little bit here. I do think Demo is up to something not great. And my guess is actually going to be um, he is a spy and he's working for Set. Um, mm. And I think he might have actually helped poison the wells. Um, as well as perhaps... Um, just helped Ashweather into the city, which I know like your security can't be top notch, but it still feels wacky that Set was able to walk. Set, who can't walk, he has a wheelchair, which makes him a lot easier to spot, was able to walk into the city with 30 guards, um, one of which is his son, and nobody noticed. Um, so if there's someone on the guards who is kind of letting that happen, I, I could see it being Demo. Um, but uh, yes, I do think it's going to lead to Vin. No longer looking at, unfortunately, I do think at this point it is probably going to be Docs because we've been told over and over, or Sir keeps saying, don't underestimate how good Contra are at <laughs> imitating people. And Vin's like, I will underestimate how good Contra are at imitating people. Um, so I think uh, Vin is going to focus all of her efforts on keeping on Demo. Demo will be up to something nefarious, but he will end up not being the Contra because that will make for a very sad emotional and shocking twist when it does actually turn out to be dachshund after everything so you two have perfectly exchanged predictions on who the chondra is perfect i love it yeah all right uh as was previously mentioned here and there we are in a bit of a time crunch on our recording today uh so what i'm gonna do is slam to the end of this section i'm going to pick things up in the edit with all of our important social media information uh, as to how you can get in touch with us, how you can listen to all that. Uh, but I'm going to bid farewell to all of these folks right here. Uh, also, should I tell you what uh, Set's other two lies were? Yes, Go please. They were both about Breeze and Aurian. Uh He lied when he said that he was he was overjoyed when she ran away, and he was he lied when he said that he didn't care when he caught the two of them together. Oh, that's cute. Those I, I kind of conflated those two into the same one, but yes, my my <laughs> guess is at least one of my guesses was he said he didn't really care, and he actually did. He cares about Alrian, and he was actually super pissed at Breeze. <laughs> All right, hey there, Justin from the future here, letting you know that you can find this episode and all of our episodes at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. That's also where you can email us to contact us at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. Other than that, you can find us on social media, on Instagram at alwaysanotherpod, where you can find Caleb producing his uh, works of art there. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter for now at alwaysanotherpod. Uh, with that taken care of, back to me. Thanks, me. 
All right, everybody give me a, a good goodbye chaos that I can edit in after all of our social media stuff. Bye. 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 Worst harmony I've ever heard. Great. <laughs> good.